warn you guys that this is going to be an AEW heavy episode. And despite Taylor not wanting to talk about Forbidden Door because it seemed like it happened forever ago with the week of wrestling we've had, that's actually where we're going to start. Because I found out you are a New Japan fanboy now. I'm not a New Japan fanboy. I just enjoy the aspect of learning new things. And there's nothing wrong with watching a pay-per-view which with a bunch of wrestlers that I'm not really familiar with. I went into this with hearing a lot of complaints about why they were doing this at all with a bunch of guys that we don't know, which is what everybody was saying. But where are you guys at on being wrestling fans nowadays? Because you got to see at least three or four real bangers on this pay-per-view. And I have my complaints for sure. Like, I don't know that maybe having blood and guts so soon after this pay-per-view is a good idea. Well, please save that because we're going to get to that. Well, I I definitely just think like... uh, like this really did it for me. Like there was a lot of things I saw that I really enjoyed. And when I see things I like, I pop and at least four or five moments in this made me pop. So I will say the consensus I've seen on the internet and by the internet, I mean, Twitter and then wrestling fucking Facebook. A lot of people went into this pay-per-view with zero expectation or dogging the fuck out of it because of all the injuries, but came out of it on the exact opposite side. So that is definitely a good thing. My, to be fair. My question to you is, so we're going to break down this briefly. What was the best moment of the pay-per-view for you? Because I had a bunch of moments where I was like, man, this is really cool. Like, I'm glad they did this. And then there were other moments where maybe I didn't feel as good about it. But like, what was the moment that really got you on this pay-per-view? I don't necessarily have a moment. I, I don't want to say something like just blew me away in that. But I will say, because we've had this conversation in the past, about the steal the show moment or the match that steals the show, like on WrestleMania, the, the mid cards, like Kurt Angle or Shawn Michaels, I firmly believe that Claudio and Zack Sabre Jr. stole the card. But I expected that going into it, and it exceeded my expectations. So, hell yeah. I will say, though, all in all, like I wasn't as necessarily blown away as a lot of people were, and it's not for me to shit on the pay-per-view. I thought it was a great fucking pay-per-view, but that's usually what you get from AEW because... Even if you have a hard time watching their weekly television, which I'm starting to learn, not everybody loves AEW, and that's totally fine. Fucking like what you like. But I know when it comes to the fucking cards of the pay-per-views, they tend to nut up instead of shut up. Can I give you my takeaway from this? Of course, please. So I wanted to say Zack Sabre Jr. and Cesaro and all the people and things you just named, but... There is one moment from this pay-per-view that really just blew me away. And I have learned that I am an absolute sucker for a pump kick. First and foremost, I don't know if this is getting picked up on the audio, but someone is weed whacking at like 10 o'clock at night. Like, who the fuck does that? It's a late night whacking, man. Okay. Yeah. You know a lot about that. I know so a lot about the late night whacking. Too much. Speaking of whacking, no, I'm, that's not a good segue at all. But I will say, like, Shibata, dude, I will watch more of his matches. Like, oh, I thought you were going to tell me about the, uh, what do you call it, motherfucking Orange Cassidy match. No, but it was part of that. It was at the end. He came oh. out to to confront Will Ospreay. But, like, I'm saying, like, there's a, something about a pump kick that just, like, who gets me rock hard. That dude was hard, and the crowd fucking popped. Yeah. I was like, cool, I don't really know who you are. That doesn't but matter. I'm there but, for it. but that's the thing about wrestling that's so great to me is you see something like that, and you feel the energy, and right away you know what you have. I think you touched on a really interesting subject because like I just said, I wasn't really sure who that was, but I was there for it. And that's really what it is. And that's something that we miss in wrestling. Wrestling is a universal language. When you're able to just tune in and you can be completely oblivious to who's wrestling, but you can tell 
the big match feel. I know you probably got that from Zack Sabre Jr. too. Like when you saw him wrestle, there were shades of a lot of people that you like in him, or maybe even like he could be better than these people. And it is an interesting aspect to see someone and you're like, this dude's good. <laughs> well, talk about Orange Cassidy before I start to uh, no, I don't really, the pay-per-view. I don't really want to talk too highly of Orange Cassidy because everybody knows that this was a marquee match for him. Like this is one of the best things he's ever done. And I don't want to sit here and say that like he's my favorite wrestler or anything or look like that, but like he kicked ass in this. Like this was a good showing for him, and he does consistently have good showings. So I know you've said a lot of good things about Orange Cassidy. I know my wife fucking loves Orange Cassidy. To me, you don't like that I'm, I'm a gimmick wrestler mirror, anymore, though. Like not necessarily. I'm gonna mirror the hangman gimmick. I want to see him put people over the way he's been put over. I I think that's the best way to put it. Can I put you in a box? Hit me. So. I kind of think your like style of wrestling is like a John Moxley like beat him up style of wrestling, correct? So when it comes to things that are like silly or goofy, a lot of times you just don't have time for it or don't want to deal with it or don't want to watch it. It seems like I could be wrong, and I feel like maybe there might be a couple breakthroughs. Like I don't think you hate Danhausen that much. No, I fucking love Danhausen. So I mean, there's a couple people here and there, but for the most part, if it's silly or something that's like kind of goofy. You're probably out like look at most of NXT or like most of WWE's product like being silly or goofy and you're like dude I don't really want this well speaking of that did you hear that there's a murder in fucking NXT two dimes died and that implies that there was a murder because Tony D'Angelo <laughs> but anyway no I think let me say this I think you're right and you're wrong I do like gimmick wrestlers however the gimmick wrestler like as far as like uh it's funnier this, that, or the other. It has to be really well done for me to appreciate it. And I find that because it's gotten over, like, just funny gimmicks get over all the time, that we're lost in a sea of, like, hey, if I'm going to be a successful wrestler, I have to have a gimmick that gets over. Do you think that Orange Cassidy also rubs you the wrong way because he is consistently in big matches on pay-per-views with such a goofy gimmick? No. My thing with Orange Cassidy is he's very athletic. First and foremost, I feel like we're wasting his talent a little bit from what I've seen of him, but he does a lot of the same things over and over again, and it's cool, it's fun, it's fresh the first few times. But at this point, like, today is my son's birthday. I think that's worth mentioning. In the hospital room, I watched John Moxley's debut at Double or Nothing. So I have been a long-term, like, I've gotten freshly squeezed since day one. And at this point, he's just not doing it to me. And that's why I'm going to mirror that hangman take because I want to see him put over people the way he does. But I don't feel like he's hogging a spot in like he's the not- hierarchy of AEW. Like he is a a good, um, what's the word? He is a good enhancement talent. Like he makes other people look good. And that's why you put him with like a Chris Jericho or, you know, I mean, you don't need, Will Osprey doesn't probably I need think, that. But I think you proved the point. I don't think he's faced anyone to put him in the same limelight that he is because everybody talks about Orange Cassidy, but nobody talks about the best friends anymore. Nobody talks about any other fucking people well, he's wrestled other than uh, Will Ospreay, it, Orange Cassidy. And he's, he's starting to get a resume of just these bangers, right? But then you look at who's dancing with him and you're kind of like, hey, man, not for nothing, but you are wrestling some of the better wrestlers. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So his all everybody in his group has had a moderate amount of success at this point, right? No, because I mean you got Statlander; she's doing her thing now. Once she, her thing. once she was removed from the best friends, that's when the like booking kind of went upwards for her. Didn't they come out after that match or something the other night? And like, well, now you have Trent who's going back to his New Japan days with Rapungi Vice, and then um, fuck, I forget the other guy's name, and I think that. 
proves my point even more. I think they're more. still hanging around, bro. He showed up on Dynamite, right? But literally days before that, I was hearing he was released just like Five was. So it's one of those things where you're like, eh. But I think what really pisses me off, Tony Khan spent all this money for a licensed track, right? And not, I don't believe there are nearly enough wrestlers who deserve licensed tracks who are getting them. And that's, I'll leave that up for debate. You know what I mean? If you don't agree with me, I don't expect you to agree with me, whatever. But so he spent so much money for that licensed track for Orange Cassidy just to now spend more money for another licensed track. I don't know, bro. What? Listen, if your uh, talent tells you they want something and you have the ability to get them something, fuck it. That's it, man. Let him do his thing. But like, That's even, a weird thing to be mad about. But like even that uh, Star, or Jefferson Starship song that he's coming out to now, like I showed Gabby. Gabby was at work when it happened. And she was confused. Like, yes, I like that song, but not everybody likes that song, nor even knows that song, especially in the generation that we're kind of pivoting towards. Nah, that's not a bad thing to bring up old music, bro. You know but how I am. What I'm saying is, a great point was brought up to me. Uh, where is my mind fit Orange Cassidy really well? Because he's from whenever, wherever, whatever the, his whole shtick is, right? So the where is my mind tied into that. When you have the Jefferson Starship song, yes, it's a fucking banger. But I don't think it represents the Orange Cassidy we have these days as well as, uh, from what I understand, and this might be speculation, so I'm sorry, but I think that's his older theme song, like from the indies when, you know, licenses don't fucking matter. Yeah. So for those diehard fans, that's great. But for these new fans, especially if you want to get them to like Orange Cassidy, I think going all the way back and turning the time isn't going to bring you new fans. I don't think that's such a bad song as a theme song. Are you saying that it's not a good theme song for him or what are we doing here? I don't think it you don't was, think it fits as well. I think if you're going to spend that kind of money for a licensed track, give it to someone who doesn't have licensed music already. Because you have like maybe three or four people that actually do. You have CM Punk. You have John Moxley, you had Orange Cassidy, and now you have Orange Cassidy again. Then you maybe have like one or two other people that have this licensed music. And for me, I think I've said it, music is a really big part of wrestling, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, the moment Samoa Joe debuted in NXT, I was laughing, not intimidated. If you heard his original NXT theme song, I always like to compare it to that. Do you remember that episode of SpongeBob where he gets all the jellyfish and he does that? Oh, quick? I love that song. No, no, no. You yeah. might love that song, but I don't think you've heard the original. I know the Samoa Joe NXT OG theme song. I love it. I hate it. <laughs> well, you're wrong. His theme song that they changed like maybe three or four weeks later and kept that very beginning tidbit of is so much fucking better. And so, much so better I mean, he has better theme songs for sure. You're definitely right. It's not his best, but I wouldn't say it's trash. Like I wouldn't throw it away. I would. But that's a difference of opinion. But you don't like some old school house? What I think, especially like, you know, you always talk about the five tool players. People have taken that term, whatever. But one of those tools Fuck is entrances. And the moment someone comes out with a great oh, it's theme part song. Of it. It's part of it. You're right. I'm not arguing that, bro. So for me to go. Maybe, and, but it, I don't know if you're the thing that you're understanding is not everybody likes the same things that you like. So if he fucks with that. He probably is like, some other people are going to fuck with this, too. Like I said, his diehard fan base were ecstatic with him changing his theme song. And I'm happy for them. Like, don't I'm not trying to do a pity party or anything like that. I just think it was a poor use of money. Well, let me ask you this to tie this all in together. First off, this match was banger or not banger? It was good. It was a good match. It didn't blow me away, especially seeing Will Ospreay and what he's done in the past. 
I wasn't like, oh my god, this is a game changer for me. It definitely didn't steal the show. So you're saying not a match of the year candidate, because I'm hearing rumblings of that being a match of the year candidate. If it's a match of the year candidate, we know who decided that. And that's all I'm going to say, but I'm Who just, decided it? Oh, you know who decided Go it. Go ahead. Name names. You already started. We're already in the hole. Papa Dave, I'm fucking looking at you. <laughs> I got it, guys. I got it. Just for you. Blocked. But no, I, I just... <laughs> I don't think I was high on Blood and Guts. And trust me, you'll have your time to, you know, shit on everything here shortly. But for me, it's like the names I'm familiar with, I got like a level I expected, if not surpassed it. With certain names, and I'm going to just say it, Okada, I've heard such good fucking things about. And I like, it was almost like meeting your heroes, right? Like people tell you, don't meet your heroes, right? So it's like, I met Okada and he was like, hey, motherfucker, you got a cigarette? You got a beer? Something like that. Like where it kind of. And yes, I understand that it was a three way match. And I understand that Adam Cole supposedly got injured. In but that, have but you seen that hour and a half banger with him and Kenny Omega? I haven't. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, but all these years, like I especially not being a New Japan fan. Have you watched his anime? Oh, my God. You found a way to bring it up. No, I have not. But I don't watch anime except it's like. Can I tell you a secret? Hit me. You can get it for free, everybody. You can get it for free. It's on Tubi. You can get it for free. Okay. Especially like I had mentioned, it's my son's birthday. So there's only one thing I'm doing after this. Teaching him about wrestling and anime. Finishing his cake. I'm editing this episode. And then you're going to body slam him like Tiger Mask does. And then I'm going to watch the new episode of The Boys that dropped today. Oh, because man. Because Amazon was like, oh, my God. There's better is- things in The Boys. You could be watching Santo movies. You could be watching Tiger Mask X. How many Santo movies have you watched since we talked about them? Six. You watched five. I'm rattling them the off. I'm rattling them off. You got a lot. I'll be real with you. I had to go through his whole like discography of movies. It's all on Tubi. His filmography, All on Tubi. Every one of them. I think it was after that we'll adopt your child uh, meme though with Santos and the Yo, other wrestler. I'm telling you, the other wrestler, Blue Demon, cold blooded as well. But yeah, no, for me, I wasn't. I think his son might be wrestling now, Blue Demon Junior. And this might be an expectation thing on me, but the wrestlers I wasn't familiar with that were coming over from New Japan, I wasn't super blown away by, as I expected to be blown away by. Like I was maybe one of five people who was fucking excited for this pay per view, and it delivered. But I, I had higher expectations than what, what it meant. Does that make sense? I wasn't disappointed by any means. It, actually, no, I was disappointed because everyone raved and ranted about that pay-per-view, but then everyone criticized the length of the last pay-per-view. Uh, so and I, I firmly believe that pay-per-view was better. So now that I know that you don't like it, I guess that ruins my pitch that I was going to give you. I want this to be an every year boy. I do. I do, especially with the fact that there were so many matches that could have taken place. Even if they have to do wanted. one on New Japan next year, like switch it off every other oh, year. Like I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Yeah, but I, I want this every year, and they've got to separate it from Blood and Guts. Like they can't do this anymore to us, man. Well, okay, is that your segue to that? Because we're going to talk about that, and I was a lot higher than you were on the Blood and Guts. Event. No, I. It's not that it was the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just there were parts mainly the first 15 minutes of the match that felt slow and like i understand that that's how the blood and gets match is set up where you've got to do it like that you know but it just there are ways to not make it so slow and the order set everything to being like kind of a slow burn and i'm not really into that and then we get like 10 minutes of good after like 20 minutes you get 10 minutes of solid shit and then we go into more like 
not planning and just chaos. And it felt like with at least anarchy in the stadium, is that what it was anarchy called? Anarchy in the arena? Or are you talking about... Uh... Yeah, anarchy. And anarchy in the arena. It felt like it was more planned out and more mapped out. I didn't feel bored in anarchy in the arena ever. And there was a couple moments in this particular blood and guts where I felt like I just was kind of bored with it. And like the first one, the maybe not the first one, but the last blood and guts where Jericho went off the cage and everybody was so uh, wild about how bad it looked. I felt like that whole match was good, and then there was one bad part at the end, and it just ruined everything for everybody, and this was the opposite. I felt like it was like 15, 20 minutes of boring, 10 minutes of success, and then John Moxley just starts looking for weapons. Well, how about this? I will give my criticisms of the match before I start to praise it at all. I will just say one little caveat. I thought the first hour of Dynamite was killer. So, you know, they delivered with that. But I do have some criticisms. I think doing the six on six in a war game match is a little clunky because at that point, you're just waiting so fucking long for the match to officially And, and honestly, like, they split it up to where it was like, okay, I want to see Claudio. Fine. I want to see Eddie. And they're the first and the last. You know what I mean? Which yeah. they had to do that way. And then you have, like, Jericho goes in at, like, 20 minutes. And it's just like, sheesh. Like, <laughs> well, <sighs> So there's a couple things. Uh, my biggest critique was that we finished the match and it was more than like a two to three minute finish on the top of the cage. Because what it tells me is, hey, we don't care what they do in the ring. And really, they're just kind of filling space and making sure the live arena gets something right. But the finish is on top of the cage. For me, I thought it was a little bit. And I will agree with you in the fact that we talked earlier and we didn't think that it should have been a dynamite thing. I firmly believe, just like Clash of the Champions or Clash of the Belt, I don't remember what they call it at this point, but it should have been a special that was just blood and guts because we had first hour that seemed like an episode of Rampage almost. And, and I got some good out of that, so I'm okay with that. I, I would have been fine with just an episode of Dynamite and then the whole episode of Rampage is blood and guts. Like You know what I mean? Like That would have been cool, but I instead was robbed of a match and a half and like I just felt like there's more stories going on than just this. And I know that's the marquee thing, but like stick it on one show and then I can get some more wrestlers that I like. Not to mention, if you stick it on one show, you have a better opportunity to promote it because it's going to be a situation where people just want blood and guts. I know a lot of people were just like, hey, give me fucking William Regal going blood and guts. And and I'll be honest. His delivery of blood and guts was not as iconic. Uh, as uh, 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 uh. Watch your tongue, young Willie. I think we were just hype as fuck to hear it, but I, I was watch kind your of tongue, and I got a replay of it in the build-up package to blood and guts, and I was like, oh yeah, that don't hit the same. No, 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 no. It hits the exact same. He can do whatever he wants. He can come out and say sack and nuts, and I would love it. Well, you know what? I do love William Regal to that point, so I can agree with that. But no, so those are my big criticisms. I don't care that, you know, Claudio got the win. I thought it was really fucking funny. As soon as the match was over, someone, I think Claudio, tried to go up to Eddie Kingston. He's like, hey, man, get up. And he's like, I can't. My fucking back. That had me rolling on the floor laughing. And then just seeing him the entire time trying to sell being pissed at Claudio. But in reality, he's just pissed because he can't even fucking move. And he's just dying of back pain. was just a... An icing on the cake to me. I have a weird thought. So, you know when Moxley pulled out the nine-inch needles? Yeah. Every time I see nine-inch needles, which isn't very often, I go straight to that Eminem song. Oh, when he uh, 
Hey kids, you want yeah. to Yeah, so I just imagine Moxley having that as his theme song and he's like got the needles in his hand. He's like, Hey kids, you wanna see me poke these through my eyelids? And no, I'll they should definitely keep wild things. Okay, so <laughs> if you're listening, Tony, I've already criticized buying talent with licensed theme songs, more licensed theme songs. Just take my word, but I got a little bit more advice for you. Just stick around, you'll figure it out. But I will say, as far as the match went, I wasn't as disappointed as it with you. Maybe it's, I'm a little more invested in that storyline altogether. I want to see the aftermath, though. Well, my if favorite part could take the fucking spot that I'm about to talk about. It's Chris Jericho. I just want to see Chris set on fire. And there is a safe way to do it, whether you believe it or not. We, no, 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 no. We are not going to do this. You're telling we, me this motherfucker can spit fireballs every single week. Let me let me take you back to a simpler time. When we first started podcasting, do you remember reviewing an Inferno match with Kane and MVP? And you hated it, but I You hated it, it as well. And you talked about how dangerous and stupid the match was and how we should never set people on fire. And then... Now it's officially fine because Bray Wyatt has done it. Well, that and Chris Jericho, like I just said, has been shooting fireballs for weeks. He's already trying to set. So you want to light him on fire? If Eddie Kingston does it, fuck yeah. Oh, my God. Bring it on, baby. No, he can't because then we're going to get the comparisons between WWE and AEW again because Randy Orton just did that. What like that was over two years? It does ago, not matter. They keep they're gonna do it, and then everybody from the WWE side of things is gonna be like, "That's a copycat imitation of Randy Orton Jr. <laughs> Randall <laughs> Keith." <laughs> no, but like, you're gonna get that anyway, though. Like I try to stay off of social media. No, you don't. We are really all toxic. consumed by our social medias, and that's why we're all miserable. Uh, that's why I think it's the lower back pain I'm dealing with, but you know, go off queen, do your fucking thing. I, I was satisfied though, because it wasn't Russo's revenge. D does that make sense? Like I've seen some really good war games matches. Let me say and something. I've seen some really fucking bad ones. Russo might've been the worst booker in life ever by everybody's standards. I mean, but he gets mentioned all the time. So you know how they say all publicity is good publicity. He is getting constant publicity so for being bad. Me I'm just that saying. All I have to do is be a dumbass the rest of my life, and maybe I can Listen, become if, famous. Listen, if you are remembered forever for being a dumbass, then you've done something right. Okay, well then I'm that's not a negative. If people are talking about you 20 years after you are not doing that career anymore, you're doing all right. I mean, you make a very, very solid point. He was so bad that for the next 20 years, people were like, that fucking idiot. We've done like eight of these podcasts where we've just had you go in on him. Well, what a genius. Can we just say that Vince Russo is a genius? I think my problem is, is like that specific gimmick had so much potential and could have been one of the greatest he gimmick pay-per-views of all time. And instead... It was absolute trash. I think he just missed his calling. Like, he should have written, like, a Jerry Springer-style show. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great? Well, that's what he wanted to do. He should have. He was good at it. Russo's Revenge is not as bad as that gimmick they tried to give Scott Steiner in the late 90s, because, God, Wait a minute. That... Wait a minute. Which one are you talking about? You don't remember Big that? Bad Booty Daddy? Yeah. Oh, hell no. Don't talk bad about Big Bad Booty bad, 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 bad Daddy. Well, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, and I really don't think you do. Do you remember the Asylum Cage matches with Scott Steiner? There was know. like three or four, and literally it looked like a giant canary-like cage placed inside the middle of a ring, limiting the space within the so, ring 
Uh, well, let me ask you this. Could you maybe uh, watch the first one of these and I'll watch it and we'll talk about it next week? Are you ready for this kind of commitment? Yeah, I have four minutes of my life because okay. I think it's four minutes long. I think all three or four matches went a total of like 12 minutes. So we're, oh, we'll watch all three or four. Okay. And also, uh, was Birdcage being promoted during this? Birdcage was not. Okay. This was back in WCW. Days. All right. I was just wondering. Wait, what movie is is Birdcage that one where they're all blind and then they made a movie exactly nope, like it? That's like Bird later. Box. Okay. Cause you know what I'm talking about. Birdcage, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane. Check it out later. Okay. So it might have been promoted. So please don't say it. It wasn't. Say- it's in the 80s. That was a bad joke. Okay, well, you know what? I appreciate your bad jokes, Taylor, Thanks. so I'm here for it. I'm all 80s today, bro. Where do you get my movie review? But yeah, I gotta say, I I wasn't disappointed by Blood and Guts by any means, but I do think going forward, if you're going to take any criticisms like you clearly did last year, because that Sammy spot looks so much fucking better than the Jericho spot. Hey, wait. Pro, pro, hats off to you. Hats off to you. You just said something nice about Sammy Guevara. I'm going to write that down in my diary. Okay, please do. Um, But... I really do think Blood and Gut should be an isolated pay-per-view, like a special on like a Saturday night, because I know it's kind of, you're weary of putting standalone specials, but you have them via TBS anyway, might as well fucking give us banger specials like Blood and Guts if you're going to do something like that. If you can't get it on pay-per-view, if you have to give it away for free, at least make it seem like a bigger deal than just shoehorned on the last hour of uh, Dynamite right before JR, or right before JR finally comes out for the night. Entry 41, Will said a very nice thing about Sammy Guevara at dinner tonight. I wonder how long this will last. <laughs> uh, by the way, you mentioned it, JR. I want to have an in-depth conversation about that because it's very intriguing. So that is just kind of like an Easter egg for this episode. But look forward to it next week when we actually have a little bit more meat to chew into and talk about. And Will's going to bring over some grilled meat, too, so we can talk about JR and get grilling. Is that one of the worst things about me moving is the fact that I would just grow randomly all the time and yeah. I would just give you food? No meat. No fucking meat at all. Well, let's throw some meat on this bone. Please, for the love of God, give me your movie review of the week. <laughs> this week, I reviewed an all-time classic. I saw it on TV, forgot it had a wrestler in it, remembered it had two wrestlers in it, and got to fucking work. 1987's classic, Over the Top. Starring Sylvester Stallone and wrestlers Terry Funk and Scott Norton. I'm going to say this. I have probably seen this movie a million times and not even realized it. Because if anyone watched those Sylvester movies back in the day, it was my fucking parents. Like, they, that would just play on, like, a loop. Like, an endless loop in my living room. It would just be a Sylvester Stallone movie. I think that this movie is a candidate for the most sweat ever in a movie. Like, there is so much sweat on every person in this movie. Terry Funk plays a bodyguard of a wealthy father-in-law, which is trying to take Lincoln Hawk's son away. I'm assuming it was probably set in Florida because you said there's a large, large amount of sweat. A lot of sweat. Fun fact, the other day, I had a guy walk into a store and he said, oh, man, it's hot out there. I was like... Get used to it. That's Florida. Florida. I was like, the worst part this, is you're not going to get any relief till fucking January. This might not be set in Florida. It's just a bunch of arm wrestlers. That's what the movie is about. Oh, I definitely know what the movie <laughs> is. Oh, my God. So, so tell me about it, then. So Lincoln Hawk is a truck driver by trade, but Shout he's also Ted. a world-class arm wrestler. So his his uh, baby mama gets sick, and his son has to go with him on the road cross-country to Las Vegas. So Lincoln Hawk, his son, Mike Hawk, Mike Hawk? Mike, Mike Hawk. Mike Hawk. Is he actually named Mike Hawk? Mike Hawk. Do you know Lincoln how many Hawk, times I've signed my name as that? Lincoln Hawk and Mike Hawk. Okay. Lincoln Hawk and Mike Hawk have to go across the country 
to go to an arm wrestling championship so that he can win money to follow his dreams. Well, what happened to little Mike? Well, what happened to little Mike Cock? Well, I'll tell you what. His uh, Mike Cock didn't like. <laughs> Damn it! I almost lost the bit there. I'm telling you what. Mike Cock didn't like him very much at the start of this movie, but as it got farther down the road, Mike Cock started to like him a little bit more. He grew on him. He's a grower, not a shower. <laughs> So anyway, like I was saying, you know, at the beginning, he's like, I don't like you. You're not my dad. Then by the end of it, he's like, you just won an arm wrestling championship. Now you're my dad. <laughs> That's the determining factor for him to be a father you, figure when is you, winning an arm wrestling contest. When you read like the synapses, it makes everybody in the movie seem like they're out to get Sylvester Stallone. But he's just like an absentee father for the first like 15 years of this kid's life. And he's just dropped in his lap and he's like. Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Like, he's like completely is oblivious to the fact that he sucked as a dad. He's like, I don't like you. And he's like, well, okay, I understand. You know, you're telling me this. You're giving me this great impersonation and everything. Like the and bad, I can just I picture it. The bad guy is like his father-in-law who's just trying to get his grandson back from this guy taking him on a cross-country trip to Las Vegas. So kind of like how in all those crime shows where they're like, yeah, the dad came and stole the fucking kids, even though it's Kind of makes sense. I don't so, know. unfortunately, Terry Funk gets his ass whipped by Sylvester Stallone. Don't believe that for a second. Well, I mean, it's a movie. So, you know, he has to take take the fall. He's got to sell for him. Well, Sylvester Stallone is no Steven Seagal. He's not a man of a million traits. I did learn one last thing from this before I rate it. If you ever have to arm wrestle someone for money, make sure you just reach your hand over the top of theirs and you'll always win. Can you please put this uh, belief into practice for me? Yeah, I got you. I could definitely beat you after this podcast. Okay, well, I want a 10-page essay on it for the next week's show. There, You know, you just got to go over the top. Okay, There's find the a way to milk it. it out into 10 fucking pages. So this is um an 8 out of 10. It's a perfect movie. So a, a, a perfect movie would be a 10 out no, of 10. No, this is a perfect movie, and I don't give 10s. That's... Oh, what are you, Dave Porton right now? No, I just don't really give tens. There's no perfect movie, but this is a very good movie. And if you don't like it, you know, you can go talk to Mike Cock. So Mike Cock's in a perfect movie. Mike Hawk and Lincoln Hawk. What a cool name for the main character of a movie. Real quick before we stop. Lincoln Hawk. How much more badass can you be? What is there more badass name than Lincoln Hawk? Like, imagine if I was just named Todd Strong. You know, I would I would acknowledge that, but I just can't get my mind off of Mike Hawk. Jim Danger. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> completely killed it. So I'm gonna take a chance to just shout out the big three at Jaded Rasslin at Tots Pod at Year of Pod Michael Cog. We're on pretty much all fucking social media at this point, and we sell merch. Please, please, please! I am fucking poor. Buy some clothing. You'll look so much better in our merch. I promise you. That's not a lie. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell your mom. Tell your dog. Tell your fucking neighbor. I don't care. Tell everyone. Not only support Jaded Rasslin. But please buy some merch because we sell it. I promise you. It's on ProWrestlingTees.com slash JD Wrestling. I want to do some shout outs as well. I already shouted them out, but shout out to Ted at the Heel Truth. Shout out to the rest of the Jaded family, Tots Pod, Year of Pod. We have a new episode of Year of coming out on Monday. If you're listening to this now, it's probably Saturday unless you're one of those late bloomers like my cock. So, you know, check it out whenever you check it out. But Monday, this coming Monday, Independence Weekend Monday, Year of Pod will be dropping a new episode, so make sure you check that out. And now I want to give some flowers before we get off of here for the day, Taylor. Okay. Because I kind of want to see myself. Hit that shit. I hit that shit. Hit that shit first, though. All right. So my flowers this week, just like last week, are going to be a little unconventional. I want to give them to AEW as a company 
for actually listening to the fans. Because just like you said, Blood and Guts last year was a great match that was ruined by a bad spot. They listened to you just like they listened to everyone else. And they fucking did something about it this year. They had the same spot kind of. Okay, after Mick Foley, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to go off the top of the steel cage if possible, right? So at least you made it look good and it didn't take me out of the match. So there you go. You can write in your diary. I said two nice things kind of about Sammy Guevara. Well, earlier it was a direct one and it really shocked me, to be honest. Like, it really floored me. I almost fell out of my chair. Like I, Every time you do, there's like a list of wrestlers that you just really hate. Man, dude, he is at the top of that list. Um, So at least I'm like participating in heel face. Like, uh, Would you like the list of the wrestlers you hate? I have it. Please do. Okay, so we have Jeff Hardy. <laughs> we have Sammy Guevara. We have Lucha House Party. Okay. Yeah, you do. You do. Sin Cara. That's that's one. That's I feel like that's and just Lucha House Party as a whole. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to get Sin Cara a second time because you love him so much that you just oh, hangman. Can't I was, gonna, about I was waiting for that one. <laughs> I can't that, forget about Hangman. So I will say, though, I don't know who hates Hangman more. I will say, though, I don't know who hates Hangman more at this point. Me or fucking Jay White. Because he has done everything to tear that man down more than I have. And he actually has a much bigger audience than I do. So hats off to you, Jay White. You know what? I'm taking my flowers back. You can have this set of flowers, AEW. I'm also going to give a set of flowers to fucking Jay White. Well, now my answer just looks dumb, bro. You gave it to a real hard-ass fucking wrestler, and my flowers are not going to be as well-received as yours. Let me guess. You're giving them to Kyle O'Reilly. Nope. I'm giving them to fucking Logan Paul. Is it because he signed that contract? WWE contract, my boy. He is ready to train. He is ready to work. He's going to be in every WrestleMania for the next 15 years. I need you to know, <laughs> I could have gave my flowers to fucking Doink this week. And it still would have made you look like a clown for saying Logan Paul. All I'm saying, bro, is you were not that mad at that match he had last time. Wait till he gets another year of training under his belt. He has the style. He isn't leaking confidence. What's the be the most important part about being a wrestler on a live TV program? You're not wrong. So are you implying five years from now that Logan Paul could be a five-tool player? I would say that Logan Paul has two of the five tools right now. And with that, I'm going to let all of you marinate on that statement from Taylor. We will see you on either Monday, Friday, whenever you check us out. Thank you guys for being fans of our show. Just know we fucking love you. Yeah.